0: Alright, so again, with this new format, when I say what I'm visioning, if you want to uh, vision with me, I think that's great. We all do it together. Um, The first is I saw a little boy riding a bike, um, and specifically the bike has training wheels on it, and I just see strength in his ankles, like like steel. And then there's a man who owns a business, and I just saw you coming to the realization that it's always been in, in you, and I see power and effortless success. Like, and I saw it coming out of your hands specifically. And um, I'm, I'm prompted to tell you that there's something that you do that's super nat- not supernatural. It's very natural to you. And you need to follow that, that process. Um, there's a woman in an existing marriage. And I just felt you feeling so cherished as you did when you were first married. And this word cherished is specific for you somehow. And then I just um, got the clear image of strong, healthy friendships across, across the, the globe. Like I pictured people grabbing each other's hands, almost grabbing on the wrist, like a really firm grip. Um, so strengthening friendships. That's it. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Can we bring up that first slide of the Brick Kids again? I won't spend much time on this, but I've had a lot of people ask me, um, in fact, I got to get out of here pretty quick. So I'm going to read you something that, uh, Stephen and Susan Melton, the, the local Elks club chose Inspire 100 to donate to this year. So we're running out of here and going over there right after this. But uh, if we can just bring that, cause a lot of people have been asking, um, uh, cause we blew by our 76, the, the original, and there's no limits though, guys. So if somebody hears this six months from now, they will, I talked to Tim, they will make provision to get these kids out of there. There's, there's an unlimited number, so don't feel like we can't, oh, I missed it, so it's available. And the, uh, I found that other picture too, I had shown that before, it's just that little kid, like that's, that's their view for generations, like, they're encased in this wall of bricks, so um, uh, I just want to show that, because there's so many people that um, have been asking me, oh, did we miss it? No, you, there's no missing you can <laughs> you can do it three months from now, six months from now. Those are, there's really an unlimited number. They'll go back and, and fund these kids to get into school. So, fair enough. But I wanted to read this. Uh, like I said, Stephen and Susan Melton, they, they nominated Inspire. And um, I forget the stuff we do. But uh, maybe if we bring that next picture up, too. I forgot we even did a lot of this stuff. And it really started out with the... God changes everything, but we wanted to take the God part out because of people that weren't religious, etc. But um, this is one of the things that we did: is when the idea is that if somebody gives X amount every month, whether it's five bucks a month, a hundred, whatever, we don't have to wait. It's not a fundraiser, like "Oh gosh, we've got this need." So when this came up, and a friend of ours that approached uh, uh, us and said, "Hey, I can go into Burma and they're selling eight-year-old virgins for three thousand. Can you help?" We're like, "Yes," and that's all you guys. So let me read this. I can't say what we do with Inspire. I'm really doing this for the online crowd because there's so many new people every week. Um, he wrote this up, and, and uh, I, I, I couldn't have written this better, really what Inspire 100 is all about. So here's what he wrote and how the Elks Club nominated Inspire this year. So it says, Inspire was created to provide one-time aid to needy children and their families, both locally and globally. What happens when otherwise hardworking parents or caregivers experience hardships that with a little assistance can potentially cascade into serious encounter economic disaster causing a downward spiral of despair, poverty, and hopelessness for generations. A working single mom, barely making ends meet, experiences a car breakdown, a plumbing leak, job furlough, medical emergency. Where does she turn? What if an opportunity arose in Burma to purchase eight-year-old virgins who would otherwise be sold as sex traffickers? When When I read this again, I was like, oh, I gotta go find this picture. Doesn't that make you melt when you see that, that little girl? And, uh, because their parents could not afford to raise them any longer. How can someone help break this cycle of poverty in India, where multi generational families are caught up in what is essentially slavery at a brick factory because of the debt they owe to the owner? Breaking the cycle of indentured servitude may be as simple as enrolling a child in school for $130. From then on, the Indian government will subsidize their education. So, assistance may be available from government or non governmental organizations, but the single mother barely getting by may not qualify initially on the scenario concerning the children in Burma not time enough to meet the present opportunity but what if an organization had the capability to quickly provide aid or relief without burdensome requirements or unnecessary overhead in 2009 some business people had the idea to inspire other business people who could afford it to give $100 a month in order to meet emergency financial needs of less fortunate individuals out of that idea inspire 100 a 51c3 nonprofit was created What if 100 people give $100 a month in their community? That's $10,000 each month to assist deserving individuals who might otherwise fall through the cracks in a local community. Now imagine if 100 people in 100 communities did this monthly. A helping hand, not just a handout. Then funds become available to move quickly quickly when legitimate opportunities help arise. For many, a tax-deductible donation of $100 a month is relatively painless. For others, $10 a month would certainly be in the realm of possibility. A one-time donation of $100 would be greatly appreciated, and individuals individuals who have received assistance from Iron I in the past are now starting to give back, and they are now financially able to do so. Isn't that great? I told it, it's like, wow, Stephen, you're hired. Like, that's, that's great writing, isn't it? Anyway, I was inspired. So that's what Inspire 100 is, all you guys online, and so I just want to say thank you for that, because that's really cool. So um, let me share some really awesome testimonies, and a lot of you guys that send in testimonies, whether it's to... To Ashley or myself or whoever, um, there's so many. We just pick one. I I don't know what you do, but I just pick ones that like move me for some reason. So if I didn't read your testimony, it's not because I don't love you. It's just one I I forgot. <laughs> like I was like, where did that come in? It came in a Facebook or email or text. Where did this come in? So I found it. But listen to this one. This is uh, this is the one I shared in the what I wrote in Facebook and email today. So. We wanted to share a few testimonies from down under on Debayou in South Louisiana. We prayed for a young girl who was twenty one weeks pregnant, her womb was without fluid, and the doctors were painting a very dire picture. We pictured fluid back to normal and for the baby to be delivered totally healthy. Two weeks later we received a text saying her fluid is totally normal and the doctors cannot explain it because fluid doesn't come back. Then we got another text in September saying a healthy baby boy was delivered. And then another text in October saying she went to the doctor for her six weeks post-delivery checkup. He said in, this, in his 30 plus years of practice, every case of low or no fluids ends the same. The baby dies in the womb or shortly after birth. When he heard that a healthy baby boy was delivered, he called 10 other OBGYNs who he knew. And none of them, they cap all this, none of them had ever had a case where a healthy baby was delivered. Pretty impressive, right? He said, ma'am. I've seen things over my 30-plus years in practice where I'd say, yeah, we just saw a miracle, but I've never seen anything as great as this in my lifetime. None of the doctors I called to discuss this with have seen this either. This is the greatest miracle I've ever seen. Isn't that cool? And all they did was the simplicity of Christ. You know what? Christ is the wisdom and power of God. It's the anointing within us. That's God. And they simply saw it how they wanted it to be and expected it to be. Isn't that easy? Save you a lot of Bible school. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, this is cool too. And then I'll, I'll do the last one. So, hey, Mike and Barb, just wanted to spread some joy in learning about quantum faith and how it changes lives. Oh, can we put the shoes up, the picture of the shoes? (laughs) This is a funny one. I love this. This is golden. So if you can't figure out what that is, that's two running shoes on a treadmill. All right. So this is from my friends, Brant and Laura Colston up in the Coeur d'Alene, Idaho area. It says, Mike, just wanted to spread some joy in learning about quantum faith Two weeks ago, I was running on my treadmill, feeling great, and I decided to increase my speed and mileage. After I got off the treadmill, my lower back and legs felt strange. Two hours later, I felt like I had been punched in the lower back. The first week, I kept speaking to my body about having a healthy body and moving without pain. Finally, I went to the doctor because it wasn't going away, and, I told, and he told me I had a herniated disc in my back. Later that day, I was talking to Brant and expressing frustration because, one, I was still in pain. Two, I felt like a failure because the pain hadn't gone away, and I hadn't been running for two or three weeks, and I didn't want to lose ground with the running and weight loss. Now, here's the really cool super thing. Unbeknownst to me, Brant, my husband, had put my running shoes on the treadmill, and he looked at them every day, saw me running and being active. It's like, that is brilliant right there. So he could see his wife running on this treadmill. It's interesting that the same day he put those on my treadmill was the day I started moving and walking without pain. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know he had put those there. I'm now up to full speed again and not listening to what the doctors had to say, and I'm enjoying a healthy back and moving again. If I had listened to them, I'd still be in bed, physical therapy, etc. I was simply healed the same day when someone else stood in for me and saw me healed, so thank you guys for all you do. Uh, I don't have it all down yet, but I'm starting to... I'm gaining the heart knowledge of how much I am loved by God. So why wouldn't he want me healthy? is that cool? I just think that's brilliant. That's, that's genius. Uh, there was one other cool one. Let's see if, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, okay. This one's fun too. This was, uh, and all you guys online, if you, if you hear a testimony and that's something you could use, just go, that's me. That's my testimony. I'm, I'm going to receive the exact same thing. So, This uh, It says, hello, Freedom Family and the prayer team. I have a laundry list of testimonies I could share. I'm grabbing hold of this message you're sharing, but today I wanted to share the most recent and for me, the best one. My husband and I have been trying to conceive for four months. I laugh at myself now because all four of those months, despite my best to meditate on the excitement of being pregnant, the narrative I actually believe was, quote, I'm not ready to have this baby. I can't do this. Then I would sob when I found out I was not pregnant and I would wonder what I was doing wrong. About a month ago, I heard... On your podcast, a man who bought a onesie for his daughter. Uh, Just don't buy a Seahawks one. You'll turn him into a Seahawks fan. Make sure you buy the right team onesie. So he bought him a onesie for his daughter who had been trying to conceive. Immediately, I knew I was supposed to do the same. A year ago, I felt Holy Spirit randomly tell me, Purchase a onesie with Baby Jones on it. That's their last name. So I took the onesie, hung it up in my closet so I could see it every day. In that moment, I made a conscious decision to change my mind. That I do want to be a mom, and I am ready right now to be a mom. After, that make, after making that decision, I typed fertility meditations in the search bar and found a 28-day meditation program because if I knew if I could align my heart and mind, pregnancy would happen for us. It worked out perfectly because the next day was my day one of my cycle, and even though I was disappointed with the obvious fruitless results from the previous month, I felt so much hope this was going to be the month. Every night for 20 and day, 28 days, I set aside 15 minutes to pause, relax, and imagine myself, uh, <clears throat> what was happening in my cycle. I felt my anxiety about having a baby slowly start to melt away, and it eventually was replaced by this beautiful image of pregnancy, birth, and raising a family. Throughout the 21 days, I saw my hypothalamus and pituitary glands send the perfect amount of hormones to my ovaries, and vibrant follicles releasing a healthy egg. I saw that egg make the journey into my tubes and meet the sperm and finally nestle deep into my uterine lining. I saw it all happen in my imagination, and I simply surrendered it and rested. This morning, on cycle day 29, I took a pregnancy test, all caps here. Positive, we are pregnant. We are so overwhelmed with joy. Actually experiencing it was even better when I had imagined You cannot convince me now that imagination is not divine and true. Baby Jones will arrive in July of 2022. Love you guys. Fun stuff, isn't it? And it really fits what I'm going to share. Um, so I, I titled this, I Am is the Cry of Victory. And I, I got to give credit where credit's due on Fellowship Marie Kessie. Marie, I don't know how to say your last name. It Fitz Kessie or Kessie. Uh, anyways, for our friend from Ghana that she gets on and she's like, I am is the cry and victory in her wonderful African accent that I don't want to try to duplicate. So I get these ideas when I'm talking to you. And next week I, I'm, I'll probably talk on. Um, You ever heard this? Your heart is desperately wicked. Who can trust it? It's come up several times now with with very religious, prominent people. And we're like, you better trust your heart because that's all you got. That is God, right? And so they're just, this is why I I don't like the guilt, shame, um, man fell theology. And so that kind of leads me into what I want to share tonight is, um, let me ask you this, is I've shared this before. Like I said, there's so many new people online all the time. There were so many questions that Barb and I would have that could not be explained by the theology that we were taught. And uh, and we were just ornery enough, probably a pain in their whatever. But when it really came down to it, they could never answer it. They could never answer it. It eventually ended up like this almost every time. They would just go, well, it's in the Bible. So they're using the Bible to proof text the Bible. Like, that doesn't work for me. Like It doesn't work. Like There's got to be evidence or proof or and so they, they, they just kind of use that as their ace, ace card that well you better not do this because you're going to be you know out of what do they say like a, um, if you don't believe this then you're not in faith and you're a heretic or whatever I'm like I, mean, I don't know but none of that makes sense what you just told me because let me ask you this is, is God love I think he is I think he's pure love and we would always ask this question I was like you know what If I'm God and I know everything because he's omniscient, he knows the end from the beginning is what scripture says, and he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's perfect love and love never keeps record of wrong. That's what everything I hear, right? So if he doesn't keep a record of it, somebody else started keeping a record of it other than God, right? And so we would ask these questions. We were just like, well, if you were God and you know everything, and in the theology I was taught, it's estimated that... uh, There's two billion Christians out of the seven plus billion people on the world, whatever the number is. So if two-thirds of the people that you created, you know were going to be in everlasting torture, would you create them? See, I think I have enough compassion in my, my limited amount of what I, my heart and love and compassion versus the source of all love and compassion. Does it make sense to anybody that I would rather not, if I knew my creation was going to be eternally tortured and separated from me somehow, I wouldn't have kids. I don't know. That just makes sense to me. Like, well, why would I do that? But I didn't know there was an alternative. So I started digging and digging. And what if Scripture is a thousand times better than what we were taught? That's where I'm coming from. Because the more I learn, I'm going, oh, my God, this thing is the most beautiful message I've ever heard. But it's very different than what we were taught. Because it is pure love. And he's never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Theology changed from when the writers wrote it. And so I'll just throw this little zinger out for you, and then you can try to figure this out. I'll just throw two out. <laughs> Once you get this, though, though you won't have to make any scripture up. It's the most beautiful message you've ever heard. Um, why did the writers of scripture not celebrate Easter and Christmas? Never did. That's the first zinger, right? The second one, let me ask you this. According to your book, the scriptures, the death and crucifixion of Christ happened before the birth of Christ. That's your book. Now you try to figure out your theology from there. I know mine and it makes me totally joyful. So I'll just leave you at that. And you'll get some, once you catch it, you'll catch it. It's like, oh my God, he is perfect love. So anyway, that, that'll that spin some people through the roof. So Barbara's like, you're going to do that? They're like, oh, you're getting some emails. I like, go, I know. It's kind of fun for me now. So <laughs> it's kind of fun because I'm so solid in like, oh my God, it's the best message ever. You really just heard stop already, enjoy your life, right? So anyway, um, it kind of fits what, I'm, what I wanted to share. So let, let me just read some of the... I, I wrote some notes because I, I think this is very cool. So anyway, see, I, I'm under... The writers of scripture, now that I'm convinced, um, never wrote out the fall of man as that man did something guilty or should be ashamed of. Again, that, that doesn't make any sense. I, I create this beautiful creation, you know, in, in the book of Genesis says, everything's created and everything's good. But then you, you women, it's your fault. Stop running around naked and listening to snakes. So we get this idea that somehow that was the fall of Man. I, I reject that 100% now. I think it was God's divine plan when I understand it now. Where I don't think the fall, how the writers interpreted it, was man did anything wrong or guilty. I think it was God's divine plan. And let me just share some of the thoughts as the more I understand this and and really dig into the Hebrew. So it says, this is my interpretation. All through Scripture, there's, and I'm convinced this is the writer's interpretation, and it really changed three, 400 years after Scriptures were compiled when it went from hebrew and aramaic to a greek translation which were very knowledge and literalists and they so they went away from meaning like this as it clearly says then it went to latin and i think that's where the whole thing blew up and that's where the church split a thousand years later but what if we could go back to the original and find the beautiful message that's what i'm after i don't care about anything else but that because and what i'm finding is it's actually beautiful so you all through scripture you see there's two men the firstborn is the flesh and it's called Hagar. We, every, every man born of a woman, if you read Genesis 4, is born into slavery and bondage. It's us. It's our flesh. We're, we're bound by this limited flesh. The second man is the Lord from heaven. It's the spiritual man that was birthed in you from the foundation of the world is what it said. So I don't think the fall, how the, the writers wrote it, was man did something wrong. It never set right within our heart. We would always ask that. And even if it did, if he's perfect love and he's never kept record of wrong... Why does somebody have to die? I'm smart enough to forgive my son versus kill one of them. Personally. Like, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness, like, and this is where I'm like going at it with some of my theologian friends. I go, come on, wait a minute. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, what I'm sharing with you, everything fits. What you're saying, you got to jump through some religious hoops. Like, you got to change some stuff. And I just think it's because they've got 50 years of wrong theology invested that they, they like can't go there. I was like, Guys, once you go, it's the most beautiful thing ever. So anyway, I believe it's this. I believe it's God's divine plan. Where the fall, Genesis 1 is where it starts. And I've shared this with you multiple times. But it, it, it says this. It says, well, in English it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In Hebrew, it's, it, more, it goes more like this. It says, bara Elohim. It says, In the beginning... Gods were created. Elohim, it's plural. Eloah is singular God. Elohim, when you add a yad and a mem on the back of any noun, it becomes plural. So here's how it says in Hebrew. In the beginning, gods were created. Aleph Toph. From the beginning, God was bound to man in covenant. That's, that's, that left Toph is used 11,000 times in Scripture. It doesn't show up once in your English Scripture. Pretty important, I would think, if it's used 11,000 times. Isn't it? Like, if I wrote, if I wrote uh, the Constitution and there were 11,000 things in there that somebody just took off, wouldn't you be upset? Well, it's the same concept to me. They just, and it really is this, we don't know what it is, so we're going to ignore it. <laughs> well, if you got verse 1 wrong, odds are you probably got a few other verses wrong, in my opinion. So what, literally what it means is, from the beginning, there was oneness. God dis- dispersed himself into many parts, the many-bodied Christ. The many-parted body of Christ. In the beginning were created Elohims, you and I. In John, in the book of John, in John 10, I've shared this with you. It says the same thing. It says, in the beginning, there were gods. God stood in the council of the gods, you and I. And he dispersed himself into that. And he descended into mankind. That's how the Hebrews wrote, it's the fall. Not that you ever did anything bad. See, I believe this wholeheartedly. because Out of experience in a mother's heart. And, you know, I don't know, my heart's not as good as... The lady who just gave birth, probably. But I could not look at our kids and go, you dirty little sinner. I just couldn't do it. Theology has to do that, in my opinion. See, I believe the Hebrew writers wrote this. You were born in perfection. It was God's design. Perfection is in you. God became man, is what the the early writers wrote, so that you could learn to be your true nature. You could learn to become God. The seed of Christ was found in you from the foundation of the world. You become flesh. You experience the limitless of flesh. You experience death and you prove to yourself the last enemy that's going to be overcome is death itself. You're going to prove to yourself the fullness of God in you. And so you see Paul and John and all these New Testament writers going, Oh my God, we get it. Our job is to present everyone perfect in Christ, the anointing of God. Isn't that interesting? Not the potential. No, you're perfect in Christ. Now work it out with, with fear and trembling is what it says. I'll go through that verse. So these verses started to come up in the fellowship the other night and I said, whoa, 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 we got some beef to to grill, man. Fire up the grill, because we're killing some cows. So anyway, I wrote this. From the beginning, you were God's idea. Starting in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created Elohims, gods. From the beginning, created were gods. One God descending into many parts. This is dispersion of Israel in Scripture. God dispersed himself into all of us, the many-parted body of Christ. Don't we see that in the New Testament? You are the body of Christ in its many members. We are is what it says. The writers of Scripture did not see the fall as man guilty of something. They saw it as God's divine plan. God descended into our limited flesh and body of death. He incarnated man so that we can learn to become God. And I'll show you the Scriptures. It's really fascinating when you look at them. We experience the weakness of flesh. We experience limitation to learn that we actually aren't limited. The second man, Christ in us, the Lord from heaven, is unlimited. Isn't Jesus Christ unlimited? Yes, and then it's, then the scriptures say, don't you know you're the tabernacle of that? The spirit of God dwells in you, which is the anointing that saves? Jesus Christ within you. So we experience the weakness of flesh, but we come to the full realization of the unlimited power and love of God within us. The last enemy that's destroyed is death. But the whole divine plan of God is we will even conquer death. Doesn't it say that? The last enemy, the last thing that's against man is you even have authority over death. You laid down this flesh like a snake Ooh, that's hard for people to. You mean <laughs> the spirit of God's the snake and the harlot? I know that's what the scriptures say, right? Oh man, I can see the religious ladies like pulling out their hair. So, but it's actually what it means when you go look at it. So, the last one who that will be destroyed is death. We will even conquer death itself, which was the ultimate triumph and victory to prove to yourself that you've become God. This is what the writers wrote. I've showed you all of them. Origin, even the, even the Eastern guys, who I think were the ones who got it wrong, um, where it took us down this path of separation. But even they said, God became man so that you could learn to be your true identity, which is man could become God. It was his divine plan to descend into humanity. So all the scriptures describe this journey from flesh, the first man, the first Adam is what it says, to Abraham, the last man, from flesh to the unlimited love and power of the Spirit of God within us. So when we experience limitation, doubt, and all the experiences of man, we ultimately have this revelation that the whole love and unlimited power of God within us gives victory in everything. When you find yourself in a situation you don't enjoy, there's not guilt or judgment from God. It says there's no condemnation in Christ, doesn't it? And that literally means there's no judgment in in the spirit of God. All the evil you guys see, there's not some outside force other than us, You know, the New Testament makes it very clear with John and Paul. It's like, don't you get it? There's only one spirit. Now, what we do with that spirit, we create evil. We create darkness. It's man using the creative ability of God to use it incorrectly. That's it. But there's nothing outside of me that I have to fight. Does that help you guys? So, they're they're confusing personification where the Satan and the Diablos, the fallen mind, and they they started to make these characters, like this divine um, battle... But it was always the six. The six is man, flesh, the first man. So meaning this is we're so conditioned to live out of our, our physical senses and react to what we see, aren't we? That's Vav. That's the sixth man. Six plus six plus six. You see all these things. So there's the flesh man. But isn't the flesh man supposed to be supplanted by the spiritual man is what scripture says over and over and over. You learn that the spirit actually has control over the flesh. And this is this journey. That where So if you find yourself in a situation that you caused, is never to feel guilty or shameful. And I, I think what, uh, when I heard Joe Dispenza say that to his daughter, I was sharing this on the fellowship the other day, I go, that is gold. So Joe Dispenza's man of churches could ever get a hold of this. He tells his daughter, he said, you know what? I never want you to feel guilt or shame for anything you've done, good or bad. I was like, that is so much gold in there. If God doesn't judge it, there's no critique in the spirit. He goes, I'll allow you to do whatever with my unlimited power. But I'm not judging you for it. I'm not making a negative. Now, what I'm not saying, people think I'm saying this is, so you just run around hurting people? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is if you've wronged somebody, to not just ignore it and act like it didn't happen. He's actually given you Yeshua. He's actually given Yahweh that saves the anointing of God within you to redeem and restore every situation in love. He actually gave you the Yesha, the fire of God, to burn up any situation, whether you caused it or somebody else caused it, and recreate it into newness of life, exactly how you want it to be. That is the saving anointing within. Are you guys following me? So it's not going, oh, you know, I can run around and do whatever I want. No, this is the journey. Because when you are, see, I'm convinced now that the same thing, God planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with full intention to, for us to eat it. Because you're going to experience everything I experience. Now, we've, we've seen this whole idea. Oh, man, Adam and Eve, they never... Ugh, doggone it. Again, I'm smart enough not to plant the tree there if I know they're going to eat it. If I didn't want them to eat it, right? If you go back and read it carefully, it says, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. It was actually his divine plan. Isn't that fascinating? The journey is to go, wait a minute. I don't have to react in life anymore. If there's a situation I don't like, I can learn to operate in pure love and restore me and everybody else I've harmed or them who have harmed me. And the fire of God, the healing power of God within us, that's pure unlimited power and love, can restore it into exactly what we want. We redeem and restore everything. That's the journey to learn how to do that. That is all through Scripture. That's the two, the, the The physical man, which is the first birth, which is in slavery, and we think we have this limitedness, to the fullness of Christ, which is the unlimited love and power of God. You see those two two covenants, those two men, those two twins, all through Scripture play out. And the whole idea is the spiritual man will supplant the physical. Everybody okay so far? Ooh, (laughs) it's so good to me. So I just wrote, you can envision life exactly how you'd like the situation to turn out, a win-win for all parties. It's, I know it's like a cliche, but it's very real, isn't it? Love is that wins. Everybody wins in love. Like, it's a win-win. Jesus Christ, which means I am, I've shared that with you. You can go back and listen to these services. If you go look at yud heh vav Hey, it's the power of God to be, in it, to be anything you want to be. And Yasha is Yad, again, the strength of the unlimited power of God to burn up anything you don't want and recreated exactly what you're doing by the single eye within. That's Yasha. Yeshua, it's Yahweh, and Yahshah is Jesus, Yeshua, Yehoshua, however you want to do it. People are like, oh, it's Yehoshua, and they get all the, like, relax. He was trying to give you a concept. That is the saving power of the anointing of God within you. That's Jesus Christ within you. Everybody good so far? All right, does Scripture actually say this? All right, let's go to, let's go to uh, Exodus 3. So anyway, uh, let me read this here. So Exodus, I think it's in your book, isn't it? All right, Exodus was what? The delivery out of bondage, out of slavery, right? was the whole story, right? So here's, here's, the, here's this narrative. Then Moses asked God, suppose I go to the Israelites. Now remember, Israel, Israelites is Israel, is Israel. It's the man who sees he's God, is Israel. I've gone through that whole story where you see Jacob supplant his other brother, Esau, the flesh man. And then it says, surely this must be the place, the dwelling place of God. Who is he talking about? Himself. He says, surely, because the New Testament gives us the, the interpretation of the old. And it says, you are that house of God. You are that place where there's messages that go up and down. Between the holy place and the, unho- and the holiest of holies. Right? He says, surely this must be the house of God. And then his name changes to Israel. He realizes the man who rules as is God. Ish is man. Raz to see and rule as El, God, El, El Shaddai, and El, Elohim. So, the God of your father, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? See, again, to a Hebrew, the name is not necessarily like Popovich um, or Rex. It's, that's not what it was. name was the nature or character, the very entity and being of God. How does God work? That's nature or name. Everybody good? All right. What is his nature? What is your name? What I should tell them, God said to Moses, I am that I am, is what it says in King James, or I am who I am. Present tense. Present tense reality, is what he says. There's no future tense in Hebrew. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, has sent you. God also told Moses, say to the Israelites, the men who realize they are God, the Lord, you'd The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name. Think about name again is this. This is the nature and how I work forever. This is who I am. This is how God works is really what they're saying. This is my, this is how God works forever. And this is how I will be remembered in every generation that comes. This is never going to change is what he said. This is how God works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how he works is he gives you his unlimited power in the spirit and what you do with it Is up to you. Now, the law of that is what it says. That law of seed, time, and harvest shall not fail. That I am that I am. Does not supersede the promise. Oh, there's so much going on in there. The promise was this. Every man will be redeemed from the start to the finish. Now, what you do with it while the earth remains, which is your heart, is up to you, is what he says. But the journey is to learn how to operate in complete love and forgiveness. That's the journey. But even if you totally mess it up, It doesn't annul the promise, which all will be redeemed, is what he says. Good news, right? In case you ever screwed up like me. So, isn't that interesting? So my nature that will be forever and ever is I am. Present tense, reality. Got it? All right, now it does it say this in the New Testament. All right, let's go to Philippians 2. So here's Philippians 2. And this came up in fellowship. This is just one of the multitudes that just go over the same story over and over and over and over. So it says, let this mind, if you go look up that word mind, it'll say, let this be your imagination, thinking, or how you think. It's your mind, right? Let this mind be in you. If you really want to take it literally, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this part of the verse, but I really spent some time on this this week. It literally says this. Let this mind be in you, which is also Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. It's equal to Jesus Christ, this mind. Okay? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So he says, think like this, that you're one with God. And Jesus Christ is in your mind, is what he says. Reading your book. He made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant. We're told what this servant is. All through Scripture, Galatians is probably one of the easiest, if you read Galatians four. It says, "Every man born of a woman is a slave. Are you guys born of a woman? Yes, Then we're in slavery. We're in this limited bondage, and we forget who we are. God descended to man, like, "Oh my gosh, who are we? Isn't that the fundamental question of our lives? Like also you get to this, light, this age of recognition, you're going, "What is this thing all about? And if you haven't done this, this is worth doing. I'll do this as a House Fellowship. Maybe not here because it's like, <laughs> go look, go Google or YouTube Dave Allen on religion. It's hilarious. Because he said, <laughs> I can't remember who it was, whether it was Emmy or, or Leanne from Australia sent it to me. He's like, Mike, you need to read it. It's, if you're not laughing in this, you don't have a sense of humor. So <laughs> he was raised Irish Catholic, so he remembers going to his first uh his first day at, at, at school, and he goes, These nuns are there and and uh, and they're like, Do you know God? He goes, I don't know, God, I don't know. Like, do you love him? Well, I don't know, I've never met him. Well, he's here. Well, where is he? Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not here. You know, they go through this whole thing that we all all humans do. <laughs> and then this is the part that just gets me every time. And he goes, he's saying the nun talks to him, says, Do you love God? I don't know, I've never met him. Sister, we have an atheist here. Come over here. <laughs> And he goes, well, God loved you, and he died for your sins. You see, so it's classic how he does it. He goes, what? When was this? He goes, 2,000 years ago. I'm only four, for Christ's sakes. You can't blame me. <laughs> Isn't that like how we all react? Like when you first start learning this story, like, wait a minute. So some dude, it's actually some babe in the garden 2,000 years ago messed this whole thing up, and now I'm going to hell? What is wrong with this theology? And I think we're just, like I said, we're just enough to go, if this is time out, that's where sometimes you ever just go, does this even defy the, the insanity test? Or sane test, I should say, right? Anyway, I think it's all way better than what we're taught, like I said. So it says, who being the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God? And he says, have this mind that you're co-equals. Isn't that what it says? He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, which is you and I. Galatians tells that. Every man born of a woman is a slave. We're limited in this flesh. We have to learn that this flesh is limited, but the spirit within us is unlimited. It's literally the power of God. So he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm. You want to know what the cross is to the Hebrew? The upright wooden stake. You know what that is? Man. He, and the Toph, the the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is, to be bound and attached forever, which is a left tof, the very center of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created Elohim's one God of many parts. He descended into mankind. He fell and descended into mankind and attached himself to this body of death. That was the crucifixion to them. Ooh, that's so good when you get it. It's out of pure love now when you understand this. It says, he humbled himself and came obedient to the point of death, even death of binding himself to us. Now, if you don't think this is real, I remember my friend Brett, he went through Bible school too, and I'm trying to, you know, we were sharing all these things going back and forth, and he went and looked up this. So you guys have all seen this. Some of you guys are going to go to a passion play over Christmas time. And we've read it, and all the faith ministries have said things like this. It says, by his stripes we are what? Healed. Now, what is stripes how we were taught? Whipping, right? You don't find that in Scripture. I remember when I was taught, it's like the cat of nine tails, and they're up there like, Wa-choo, wa-choo, you know, and you know? If you have the courage, go look up stripes in your Bible. Go into your concordance. You know what it will say? From the Hebrew word cherob. And it says this. To be bound together and tied together, jointed in a magical knot that cannot be separated. Different than the cat of nine tails, isn't it? I mean, you send a little kid and you see them whipping this guy. And like, if you go to some of these, there's blood and guts and everything ripping apart. How does that heal your heart? It traumatizes a little kid. Where the scriptures actually say, when you get your bound together in a magical knot that cannot be separated from the foundation of the earth, you will be healed. You'll get it, is what it says. That's actually what it says. I'm not making it up. What you've been taught was made up to me. Now that I look at it, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. This was Paul's revelation. Oh my God, nothing can separate me from Christ. Nothing, not even Death. Which is the whole point of scripture. You get through the end and it says, you've even conquered death. You've proven to yourself that the fullness of Christ has always been in you. Anyway, okay, I'll get over that one. Therefore, so if all this is true, therefore, God has exalt, highly exalted him. Except it doesn't say him. It says you, auto since God humbled himself and bound himself to you from the foundation of the earth, therefore he has given you a nature above every other nature. Christ is in you, is what he say, this is the whole verse is about. He's, he, he descended into this limitlessness of this world of death where there's a beginning and end. The Melchizedek, the king that never ends, dwells in you and he bound himself to you. And you're going to prove it, is what it says. Therefore, since this is all true, he has exalted him. Except it says, self. He has exalted you, yourself, and given you, yourself, a nature which is above the nature of every other creation. Doesn't this all fit scripture now? He's given man dominion over the earth. That at the name, the nature of Yahweh, Jesus, Yahweh is I am, is Yasha, everything. Every knee shall bow of those in heaven, those in earth, those on the earth, that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed me, not as in my presence, but now which is more in my absence. Work out this salvation, this thing that's in you with fear and trembling. And if you go look it up, it's awe-inspiring, overwhelming amazement of who we are. He goes, work this salvation out of you. You have a nature that's not like any other nature, God descended into you from the beginning and He's given you himself. Therefore, he's exalted you above every other creation and given you a nature above all creation that the saving anointing of God is within you, that you can heal and restore and redeem every situation in life. Isn't that good news? It's such great news. It's better than you dirty, rotten little sinner, you guilty little thing. I'm like, geez, this makes me want to come back. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence now, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation. I'm just going to go with amazement and awe-inspiring. It's like, David, who are we that you would pay such attention to us? It says, work this salvation out. Salvation means healness, wholeness, fullness in every area of your life. Work it out from the inside out. The old covenant, which withers away... Even though it was very glorious, it proved to you or were God, it withers away. It says, but the second covenant never withers. In fact, Kimmy Obeda just sent me this thing. Brent, you and I got to do this. Well, a lot of the others too. She just said, Klaus Obermeier is still alive. <laughs> she just sent it to me. He's 102 and skis every day yet up in Aspen. I'm like, yes. She goes, is this the guy you were talking about? I'm like, yes. She just sent it to me right before. I'm like, praise God, man. He's 102 and he skis. That's awesome, isn't it? Uh, Anyway, I'm working that out with fear and awesomeness, right? It doesn't mean you're going to be Sarah at 90 running around having physical kids. It's all the charismatic. I'm going to be like Sarah. No, you're not. (laughs) No, it withers away. (laughs) Abraham and Sarah, which is the mother and father of us all, the real birth, the, the virgin birth that didn't take the seed of a man, it took the seed of God in within you. Gives birth forever in you that'll never fades is what it says. It's the unfading glory. Everybody, good. Now, if you want to be that, well, hey, just you know, good luck. That's not what it means. Because <laughs> ninety means something. See, all these things in Hebrew mean something. Ninety means the first crowned man has been humbled. Get it? The first part of you has been humbled doesn't work anymore. The second part of you will always work. That's really what it means in the Hebrew imagery. I'm Sarah. No, that's not it, guys. So, oh boy. Like I said, we got some steaks to grill tonight. All right, then you'll find this. When you realize who your real nature is, this, this is the, like, mm, the vast part of this verse in Philippians, you will find, I'm just going to say it how I would say it, you will find it is God himself who works in you both to will, meaning it's his willpower, it's his power bringing it to pass, and his to-do, his isn't there, for good pleasure. This has been given to you for good pleasure. You've given a nature of every other nature, that at, at the nature of Yeshua, the saving anointing of Jesus Christ within you, everything is what it says. He leaves nothing out. Everything in heaven and earth and things under the earth will bow to the nature in you. For it is God in you who's doing the work and he's doing the do for your pleasure. Doesn't that sound like answered prayer? It does to me. Does this help you? So here's, I'll just, you were born in perfection. You've always been perfect. And you come to a realization of your perfection. Perfection. That's what John and Paul and all the New Testament are like, oh my gosh, from the foundation of the world, the seed of Christ has been in man. And that seed is the promise of God that it'll rise up and grow. No matter what you do here, you'll ultimately be redeemed. But while you're here, you have a nature above every nature that everything bows to. Now go redeem, restore, in perfect love and power, any situation. That's Jesus Christ within you, the saving anointing within you. So, I'll just leave you with that testimony again because it's really cool. So if there's anything in your life that you don't enjoy anymore, you have this saving anointing of Jesus within you, is what it says. You have a nature within you that everything bows to, according to Paul. Right? And it's not even going to be your willpower. So you can't even do this wrong. Because you're going to find that it's God's willpower and his doing to do for your good pleasure. Does everybody else see that? It's like so clear once you get it. It's like, gosh, this the same story again over and over and over so it's this. It's like the testimony that, like, you know what? This young lady's 21 weeks pregnant. There's no fluid in my womb. And the doctor said in their 30 plus years that no baby's ever survived. Okay. Jesus Christ is within you. And Jesus Christ is defined by Paul as the wisdom and the power of God. It's literally what you do up here in the holiest of holies. So you can imagine or envision anything what people don't realize because it's been so improperly taught That is the creative power in you to do the work and the to-do for your good pleasure. That's the nature of God in you. We've been taught that it's everything but that. Well, don't be a daydreamer. No, what he's saying is you can envision and picture life, image it. We were created in his imagination is what it says. We were created in his image. He saw us and we became. From the beginning is what it says. And he goes, I've given you that nature. And that nature will be in every generation for everyone. You know, it says in that generation to remember. This is where Paul on the fellowships is so good. It's it's the Hebrew word zakar. And it literally means this. It says, it doesn't like, oh, I remember. I forgot. It means this. It's zakar. It's It's the crowned man. And it says this. Remember, you're male and can plant any seed you want. And redeem the situation. That's remember in Hebrew. Zakar that fascinating? So it's going, hey, remember you're male. All of you have a male and female part of you. Remember, the Spirit's submissive. You can envision and picture anything, which is the seed planted in your heart, is what the parable of parables says. And unbeknownst to you in ways we know not how, that harvest will come. Remember that's who you are, is what it says. Remember you're male, and you can plant a different seed and redeem the whole situation. So it's that beautiful to me. If there's a situation going on in your life, stop festering over it. I don't want you to feel any guilt or shame over it. Because God's not in that business. God's pure love. And He goes, I don't keep any record of wrong. Religion's got a really good business going with that, right? They remembered all this stuff. And like, when was this? He died for my sins. When was this? <laughs> Only four. I love that. Cause I'm like, once I really heard the whole message, I'm like I remember Barb going, what a bum deal. And we were talking to Terry and all the different the elders and stuff like, wait, we didn't sign up for this. Like, we didn't ask to be born from our mother. At least like I can remember. Even though I think we did. Because we're the eternal spirit we know everything. I think we made the conscious decision to enter into death. I really do. Now that I understand the Hebrew scriptures. And then we remember who we are. Oh my gosh, we have the spirit of God in us from the foundation. And we remember who we are. And I'm male. I can change the situation. The nature within me changes every situation. So, I don't care what situation you find yourself in, remove all guilt and shame. Just go, I'm in this situation. Remember, I can plant any seed within my heart, and it's the power of God that'll bring it to pass. It'll burn up the Yeshua in me, will burn up this current situation as if it never existed, and recreate the new life that I'm experiencing within, my own I amness. That's scripture. That's beautiful, isn't it? So I love this. So if there's anything going on in your life, how would you like it to be right now? What are you experiencing right now? I am means present tense. What, what, where are you dwelling right now? And like I, I said in the message, most of us are on autopilot most of the time. We're, we're still dealing with the same emotions and feelings that we just rehearse day in, day out. And repentance, where we're told to do this, it says, renew your mind how many times? Daily, every day. That's why I go, when I wake up, the first reaction is, oh, still me. <laughs> Like, oh, I wish I would have been somebody else this morning. Somebody successful and awesome and whatever. Like, wait a minute, I am the tabernacle of God and the unlimited power of God is within me, right? That's the renewing of your mind. You go, remember your mail, Zakar. Remember, you can plant any seed. So you just start design your life. It really is this design the great life. If we can choose any life, design a great one. Because it's not you doing the work. It's God Himself. It's His willpower. Not my willpower, Father, but your willpower. That's what that verse means. Hey, it's not me that's going to bring this to pass. It's the anointing that saves within me that does all the work for my pleasure. Wow. That's a good life. So you simply see it exactly how you want it to experience. You know, Joe Dispenza, what he's teaching, he's like, when you realize this, he goes, this this overwhelming joy of gratitude is the same emotion where everything starts to effortlessly happen to you. And he says, we don't teach people how to pray correctly, we teach them to get up from meditation or prayer, whatever you want to call it, what I just did within my imagination, as if life is exactly how I want it. And when I experience that joy of life exactly how I want it, I know there's nothing else for me to do. It's God himself bringing it to pass for me. That's I am. I am is the cry of victory. You go from a victim to victory in every situation. Amen? Hopefully that helps. Hopefully I didn't kill too many cows. I promise you this is what it says. If you have the courage to go look at it.